This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show, where we discuss the ups and downs of modern dating and relationships. I'm Laura Bellata, your host with philanthropist and media personality tonight, Joan Kelly Walker. Hello, the beautiful Joan. Hey, Laura. Nice to be here. I know. Nice to see you, hon. I can see her. You guys can't. (laughs) Okay. Today's episode is all about attachment styles and relationships with our guest, empathic coach Freya Mortensen. And Freya is an intuitive empath. I love intuitive empath, by the way. Uh, She's a healer, transformational coach who has developed her own enlightened approach to helping people overcome their inner challenges and move forward into their highest selves. I love that already. And tonight we're going to be exploring the impact of attachment styles on our adult relationships and how to recognize our own attachment style and how to use this information to improve our relationships. Join us guys as we dive into this fascinating topic and I I yeah, it's a very important topic as well and learn how to build stronger, healthier relationships. So hello Freya, how's it going? Hello Laura. It's going well. Welcome, 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 welcome. So let's start with the basics. Can you explain what attachment styles are and how they develop in childhood? Because that's where I, I believe that that's where most of them start is our childhood. That's where they all start. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Exactly. Right. So either we're we're feeling secure in our relationships or we're not feeling secure. So the attachment styles relate to a sense of safety and security or a sense of fear and insecurity. So yeah, they're, they're being developed from the moment we're born and they're forming an attachment with our caregivers, right? We, we learn either that we can trust our caregivers or that we cannot trust them. All of this is brand new to me. I, I really have no information going into this. So my question is, based on what you just said, are there basically two attachment styles, either fear or security is, or are there other styles? They're, they're broken down into a few and either they're insecure or they're secure. And I think we'll, we'll probably get into identifying the specific attachment styles as we go along, but just understanding that um, initially where they're being developed is with our primary caregiver. And we need at least one primary caregiver to attach to in a healthy way to form a secure attachment. Okay, let's go through them. Um, I know that they're secure. There's an anxious, preoccupied attachment style. There's a dismissive avoidant attachment style. There's a fearful avoidant attachment style. Do you want to explain? um, Are there four main attachment styles? Or are there more than that? And do you want to explain them? You know, sometimes you'll see them described in a lot of different ways. Um, And I like to, I always like to keep things really simple. So what I like to do is just bring them down into these four, um, which is the first one is secure. And then the other three we have is avoidant, anxious, and then disorganized. Disorganized. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm disorganized. And that's, that's one that was brought up like these, these attachment styles, they were introduced to us as a theory by John Bowlby back in the forties. 
And then another woman, I think her name is Mary Ainsworth. She came about and she developed these other, these four more specific categories in the sixties and seventies. And then in the eighties, she brought out this disorganized one. So that one came a little bit later. Yeah. I'm not sure I, I really uh, have heard of the disorganized one, but mm-hmm. okay. Do you want to go through them and just explain what they are? Of course. So, you know, we just start with the secure attachment, which is if you're in a secure attached um, relationship with other people, you're communicating effectively with them. You have an assertive communication style. You can forgive people quickly. You don't hang on to resentments. You have a sense of self-compassion and compassion for others. You're able, you know, to ask for what you need and you're able to give just the same. Um, people with secure attachment styles, you know, they're, they're going to lose interest in people that are not meeting their needs and they won't hesitate to remove people that are having a negative, um, impact in their life. Whereas the avoidant attachment style, avoidant attachment style, they're avoiding attachments. So they're, they want to avoid rejection. So this is stemming from what they learned from their primary caregiver, that there's going to be disappointment their needs are not going to be met. So in order to avoid that rejection, they're going to avoid attachment with other people. There's going to be a fear of intimacy, a lack of confidence in other people, just this, this distrust, distrust in others. Um, and they come across as being very self-sufficient. They don't need people. They don't need any help. They have this high level of independence. Um, so that's, that's a little bit of the avoidant in a nutshell. The anxious, sometimes also referred to as ambivalent, anxious, ambivalent, they have an excessive need for approval. They might be overly dependent, still less trusting, right? This trust factor is is common in these insecure attachments. There might be a lot of worry if they're good enough, if they're doing enough. Um, And they may actually have lower expectations for relationships and allow things that the secure attachment would never allowed to, to, to go on such as certain, you know, um, unhealthy, toxic, uh, behaviors from partners. Um, but yeah, they, they have lower expectations in, in their uh, relationships. Whereas the disorganized, this one that is a little bit less heard of, um, it's kind of this hot and cold. It's like, I really want you to be here, but then as soon as you're here now I'm pushing you away. Um, it's kind of this mixed messages. They're kind of confused about the relate the rules of relationships. They want to connect, but then they feel uncomfortable with that connection. Okay. Now I feel like I'm combination or I was once a combination. I feel like I've worked on myself, uh, and the anxious and avoidant. Is it possible for someone to have a combination of styles? Yes, Absolutely. So when people come into my coaching program to work with me, I give them this self-assessment where they go through these questions that's based from this book that I have. It's called The Power of Attachment by Diane Poole Heller. And what happens is they go through these questions, then it gives them a percentage of how much secure attachment they have, how much anxious, how much avoidant, how much disorganized. And there's always a little mixture of all four. Some, some, sadly, have zero secure attachment. And so it makes sense why they're in the program to work with me to build that up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of the population are operating from a secure attachment style. And then we have like 
maybe you might have 60% secure. And then you have, you know, 40% anxious and maybe another, um, oh, I'm trying to do my math in my head, 20% secure, <laughs> 40% secure, 20 anxious, 20 avoidant, you know, no disorganized. So these things will come out. You know, if I'm primarily somebody who is secure in my attachment, but I meet somebody who's very avoidant, it might bring out that 20% of my anxious attachment. Mm -hmm. Now you're feeling insecure. Yes. Mm. I've been in a relationship like that. I feel very secure. I think I would be heavy on the secure percentage, but I was engaged once to a guy that was very disorganized and it made me so anxious. Like it, it brought out the worst of my personality. I was, I never knew what to do. I was in a frenzy. It was so uncomfortable. Not a good relationship for me at all. Thank goodness. Didn't work. What a blessing. I was actually just telling my son, sometimes these things are a huge blessing, but um, yeah, it's interesting what you just said about how you can be a mix of it and they bring out certain things and you could also elevate someone. I guess the reverse could work too. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. If you're somebody who's mostly in anxious attachment, but you um, have a partner who's secure, yes, they can help you feel more safe and secure and reduce that anxious attachment in you. You only need one secure partner to formulate um, a secure a secure relationship with the other. You know, I also can't help but think about my children and think about how am I passing this down to them? And I don't know if we're if we were going to get to that later. I don't want to uh, you know skip ahead here, but you know, I I'm sure a lot of our listeners are also wondering about their children. How do you? set it up so that you're passing on as secure as environment as possible? It's a really good question because we will form insecure attachments with our kids. We will. And they're picking up that attachment style and it's a generational, it's very much a generational thing that can occur. And some of us will be, you know, have certain temperaments, anxious temperaments or avoidant temperaments that make us more prone to those types of attachment styles as well. So genetically, we have these, you know, trauma that's stored in our body from previous generations. Um, it can become a little complicated in understanding all of these things. But to, to, to simplify it though, is we just wanna be aware, right? We wanna have that awareness of how we're behaving with the people in our life and how we're coming across so that we can model model that secure attachment, especially for our kids, so they can see us um, catching ourselves when maybe we're not. We've covered some valuable insights on attachment styles so far. And before we dive deeper, we're going to take a quick break. So stay tuned, guys, as we continue our conversation right after the break. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, your host with the lovely Joan Kelly Walker tonight. And we're continuing our conversation on attachment styles with, with, 
with Empathic Coach Freya Mortensen. Let's jump right back in and explore how you can discover your own attachment style. Freya, why is it important to know your own attachment style and relationships? And I think you have a website that people can visit if they want to learn more about their attachment style. Yes, absolutely. People can check me out at freyamortensen.net as well as at Empathic Coach and some social media platforms where I'm talking about all sorts of things such as this. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, so- it's super important to know, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, what your own attachment style is in relationships is part of self-awareness. Right. I agree. I, um, I didn't realize at one point I was very avoidant and I was attracting emotionally unavailable partners. And, uh, and that was because I think I was emotionally unavailable myself. And that's when I, you know, looked within and I did some work and I feel a lot better now. So now I'm able to attract healthy partners But when I was in a relationship with this guy, let me tell you, it was torment. It was like being in a situationship where I didn't know if he was coming or going. I didn't know one minute he was like so hot and cold. And then I recognized after, you know, several conversations that this guy, this is this is all he could give me. And it was all had to do with his upbringing. His parents were in present growing up and and he told me he had horrible upbringing. His brother ran away at 12. And so I started to clue in and it started to make sense. So. And meanwhile, you've already been dating this guy for a while. So you've invested some of yourself emotionally in order to get to that point. So is there a way that you can fast track that so that you can somehow identify if they're emotionally available or not based on their attachment style? Like you can't go on a first date and start asking, you know, tell me about your childhood and what was your relationship like with your siblings or your parents? So how do you do that? How do you avoid having to invest so much of yourself emotionally in someone? Uh, Is there a way that you can identify how emotionally available they would be based on their attachment style? Who says you can't ask them those questions? You can? Really? Sure. Don't you sure, think some like, people you know, just in a don't non- want to talk about it? In a non-interrogative way. <laughs> you you can, <laughs> can really ease your way into, so what's your relationship like with your parents? What's that like? Was it always that way? You'd be surprised how, how much information people are willing to share or they're not. So if and, they get defensive, then do you just sort of walk away and that's well, your sign? That could be a sign. If they're getting defensive, having to talk about some of these things, it means that there's still a lot of healing that needs to be done. And fair enough, by all means, right? That 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 can be the case. They're not ready to, to be vulnerable with you on those topics. What other signs are there that they're not ready to be vulnerable? Like defensiveness is, is an obvious one. Are yep. there other things? Yeah, defensiveness, also denial, right? Mm-hmm. Denial, minimization of things, not that bad. It's fine other people had it worse that can that can come up in the conversation yeah now what what are some of the common signs or behaviors that may indicate what attachment style somebody has yeah so similar to to what we were talking about at the beginning there but you know a secure attachment is going to be open to communication they're going to be they're going to have healthy boundaries with you as well if there's something that they don't feel comfortable talking about that you've raised and be like, you know what? Thank you for asking that question. It sounds like it's something that 
you really want to know about, but maybe let's try and get to know each other a little bit more. And then we can dive into that topic later on, you know, um, they're going to be really, um, considerate with you. Um, they also understand that healthy conflict is good for the growth and evolution of your relationship. They don't avoid conflict like the avoidant attachment style, the secure attachment. Um, no, no one likes conflict, but they recognize that it's part of healthy relationships. Um, you know, the, the anxious person, they're probably going to be uh, like a people pleaser. Okay. This term people pleaser, codependent, codependency is, is a big problem for people who are dealing with anxious attachment. Um, this stems from a fawning trauma response. All of these attachment styles can also be related back to trauma responses as well. They all connect with, with a trauma response. Um, but say the anxious attachment always wants to know your whereabouts, when they're going to see you next. They might be really sad when you have to go. Um, and they may actually unknowingly create conflict in a relationship when no conflict is there. Or they may think that you're going to break up with them for the smallest little thing. Like, are you breaking up with me? No, why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were. Yeah. Is it over? Are we done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know that childhood experiences can shape somebody's attachment style. Um, children, and we talked about this, children who receive consistent and responsive care are more likely to develop secure attachment styles with those who experience, let's say, neglect or inconsistency, like when it comes to parenting, they may develop more of an anxious or avoidant attachment style. Um Maybe you can elaborate or tell us, uh, like, what other life experiences or life events may influence someone's attachment style? Because breakups can also influence someone's attachment style. Horrible breakup. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, if they're already operating from a secure attachment, yeah, you, you have heartbreak. You have a little period of depression and sadness, but you recover from it. You don't stay in that, um, that depressed state for a prolonged period of time, right? So if you're already primarily operating from a secure attachment, it's very difficult to, to, uh, have that changed is what I want to say. This is very fundamental because this attachment style is being developed from birth in those first seven years, right? So what's happening is if you have had a separation from a parent, so let's say um, you were raised by a single mom and she had to work all the time and you had to go to daycare and it's not that she wasn't loving or caring, it's just that you didn't get to form a secure attachment with her because she was never there, but maybe the daycare provider Maybe that person you were able to form a secure attachment with, and that became that source of attachment for you in your life. So it can just be the absence of a parent in, in general that's not there. It can also be the parent is there all the time with you 24-7, but not tending to your emotional needs. When you're crying, they don't tune into what it is you really need. 
they're placating you. They're not giving you uh, that attention. So you really don't feel like trauma or uh, a bad romantic relationship can uh, affect your attachment style like, or give you an insecure attachment style? It's already formed within you from the beginning is what I believe. Okay, interesting, because I, I, I heard otherwise. But okay, all right. <laughs> like I'm learning something new today. Well, it, it, I mean, depends. we could hash it out both sides, you know, but... Yeah, I'm of the premise, the the premise that it's it's innately already within you from those developmental first seven years. It probably depends which you know which attachment style you are from. Like if you're secure and you're going through a bad breakup, you would I would assume get through it easier than someone who's disorganized or anxious or ambivalent or avoidant. So I can see how it could affect an adult as well like yeah, that must he, happen yeah if if you're like a good 80 percent secure you're not going to find yourself in those predicaments or like you said you're going to recover from it but if you're like on the edge like you have okay amounts of secure but you still got all a lot of anxious or 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 avoidant and you get into those relationships from a secure place but then it brings out those pieces in you right? They're there. It's not like they're being formed. They're just being heightened um, and exacerbated by the relationships with insecure people. Yeah. I just figured like if you were in a relationship with someone for a long time um, and it was quite toxic, right? Where the partner was distant, um, they, they were very negative, they were unresponsive, maybe they were not trustworthy. I think, you know, I was under the impression that you may develop an insecure attachment style, especially if you were with that person for a long, long, long time, you know? Yeah. But if you're secure, you're not going to allow that to go on very long. So it's not that you've developed an anxious attachment an insecure attachment is that that's just being brought to the surface for you. It was already, already there just waiting for somebody to bring it to the surface, which this person the amazing okay so is it possible for someone to change their attachment style over time yeah and how do you do that yeah because it's a behavior right so just like any behavior that we learn <laughs> we can unlearn it we can definitely unlearn it and so how do we do that First, that's a big question you First, you have to have this, yeah you have to have the self-awareness First, you have to know that you're doing it, you know, because for avoidance, they don't like feedback. They don't ask for help. They don't admit their own flaws. So it's much more difficult for someone who's in an avoidant attachment to have this self-awareness that this is what they're doing. So first comes the self-awareness to say, okay, this is what I do. The clients that I'm working with, the, the starting point to gain that self-awareness is like doing a self-assessment answering some questions, seeing where you lie, and then getting into changing your thinking. Because the way you think is directly responsible for your behavior. So getting in and changing the way you think about yourself, all the self-worth, because a lot of times what's happening here is you're gaining your self-worth externally through external validation. So how to um, intrinsically value yourself. That takes a lot of time and patience and work with a professional to do that for yourself, but it's worth it.
but yeah, it, it, it starts with the self-awareness. Let's um talk about attachment styles and how they affect the way that we communicate and we interact with our partners and relationships, maybe how we date, for example. So how do they, uh, you know, affect the way that we interact and, and uh, communicate with our partners and relationships? Yeah, it's so interesting because a lot of the, the, the common like toxic couple is going to be the avoidant and the anxious. Those two. Those two together? are going to be, yes, those two are going to be drawn together because they feed off of what they don't have. Right. They're feeding off of where they're gaining their self-worth. So the anxious is getting their self-worth externally from others. And the the avoidant is feeding off of all of what the anxious is giving to them. So it's this, this codependent relationship, essentially, is what ends up going on. So how do they affect the way that we communicate and interact with them? Yeah, communication is very unproductive very unproductive, that defensiveness, that criticalness, that um, silent treatment that might go on. You know, there's there's a lack of of ability to be heard, to be understood. You feel like you're just talking to somebody and they're not listening to what you're you're hearing. You're not you're not being understood by your partner. You feel like you're not listening to me because you both have your blocks and your walls that aren't allowing for that effective use of communication and conflict resolution. You feel like you're just dealing with the same problems over and over and over. We need to take a quick break, guys. Um, And after the break, we're going to get back to our conversation on attachment styles and how they affect the way that you date and how they affect your relationships. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker, and our special guest tonight is empathic coach Freya Mortensen. Let's get back to our chat now on how attachment styles can affect relationships and the people that you're attracted to. So Freya, before the break, you were explaining that uh, a very difficult combination is when you have an avoidant, uh, you know, a person that avoids rejection, uh, who's with someone in a relationship with someone who's anxious or ambivalent, that uh, that's very challenging. So in your work, do you have a lot of couples that come to you? Or is it mostly single people that are just trying to figure it out on their own because they're not being heard? Good question, Joan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I had the break to think about it. I love it. Yeah, a lot of people are coming to me want, on their own. Uh, very rarely will there be two people that are coming for that type of programming. Um, sometimes they're doing their own things with different um, coaches or therapists. But in general, you know, they're they're coming to me on their own to work on how can I have healthier relationships? Ultimately, that's the goal. 
I want to have a healthier relationship. I want to be able to uh, communicate in a more assertive way because the anxious attachment is communicating in a very passive way. They're not getting their words understood. The avoidant might be communicating in a more aggressive manner. Um, like I said, also uh, with some silent treatment. Um, and so they want to come in and they want to learn how to express their needs, and get their needs met in a healthier way, which takes a lot of practice. So do people come in and like, do they identify and recognize what their attachment style is? Like, do they come in and say, you know, I'm feeling very anxious or ambivalent. Um, I feel like I need more approval from my mate. Like, do they come in with any of that? Or you, you have to start and just say, you know, why are you unhappy? Um, before anyone comes into my program, I always just ask them, you know, what's the number one problem that you're struggling with? And a lot of the times it has to do with the setting healthy boundaries for themselves. They're very much caught in a, I can't say no, and I lack self-worth. And so we start to peel back the layers and a lot of them don't even under, have never heard of attachment styles, or maybe they have heard of an attachment style, but they don't know what their attachment style is. Um, they all have a history of traumatic um, upbringings and experiences. So this helps to put all the puzzle pieces together for them. They start to understand, oh, this is why that happens. Oh, this is why I behave this way. And then from there, they're able to start to make the changes because before they didn't know, right? Anytime like you have a problem, whether it's going on mentally or physically, emotionally, and then somebody tells you, oh, it's because of this. Oh, then you feel like you have a little bit more hope. You're like, oh, okay, that's why I have this. This is the underlying cause. And can I fix that? Yes, you can fix that. Okay, great. You know, it's not as easy as just here, take a few pills and you're cured. There's a lot of personal development and self-growth that has to go along the way, but it's, it's a great, um, it's a great way for people to be able to move forward with themselves. Let's elaborate on how attachment styles can impact the type of people we are attracted to and pursue in relationships. Absolutely. It, and it, it's a huge factor who we're attracting because if I don't count myself but I'm very much focused on the needs of others as an anxious attachment. Then I'm going to be looking for somebody who is probably going to be emotionally unavailable, but I want to be the one who is anxiously attached to this avoidant person who's not going to give me what I need, but I'm giving them exactly what they need. Probably too much so that they can't handle it. And then I feel like something is wrong with me. So these dysfunctional relationships are going to erupt from an insecure place, from a place of um, not feeling safe. So I'm going to constantly be, be attracting partners that aren't good for me, that don't make me feel safe, that don't validate me, that don't validate my emotions, that don't listen to me. And I'm going to think that something's wrong with them. But really, it's both. An insecure attachment is going to attach, attract another insecure attachment. Most times. So how do you break the pattern of that? Like it's, it's like a repetitive thing. Even if someone comes to you and works through it all and identifies who they are and, you know, where the downfall is, people keep going back into the same situation. How do you work with someone so that they stop that pattern? Mm-hmm. So it's about developing a healthy boundaries and emotionally regulating yourself. 
So emotional regulation for how you are responding to problems and stress and fears of abandonment and rejection are that personal work that you have to start doing. Start uncovering these layers. Like, hmm, why do I keep attracting these unhealthy partners? What is it in me that is going on? What do I have to start looking at? So once I start to set some standards for myself, then I can look for that in other partners. And that's why I was like, hey, yeah, ask these questions about other people. Who cares if it's the first date? Start to find out who they are instead of immediately insecurely attaching to somebody pre, uh, you know, too early in the relationship. And then it leads you down that road to hell as it always does. So starting from the beginning with setting standards for yourself and what you're actually looking for in these partners. We've had a great segment, guys, on learning about attachment styles and their impact on relationships. And we're going to stop now for a quick break. And when we come back, we're just going to continue this amazing conversation. Don't go anywhere. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellata with Joan Kelly Walker, and we're continuing our discussion with empathic coach Freya Mortensen on attachment styles. Let's get back at it. So Freya, before the break, we were talking about uncovering layers and setting standards for yourself as a tool to help people identify and work through their emotional baggage or trauma that might be impacting their attachment style. Can we continue with that? Because I think it's really important. Uh, How do you uncover these layers and set standards for yourself? Mm -hmm. A lot of people who are operating from that anxious attachment style don't have an understanding of what their needs are because they were never honored in those earlier years. What are my needs? I'll have so many people that will come and work with me like, okay, I have to take care of my needs, but I don't know what my needs are, but they're very good at understanding the needs in others. Okay. Well, what are some needs that you fulfill in other people? That is a clue to what you need to start fulfilling in yourself. So things like self-compassion, forgiveness, understand that I need respect. I'm teaching other people how to treat me. So I need to start treating myself how I would like to be treated. This is what I'm sending out to, to the world is a projection. So I need to start taking care of my own physical health, my mental health. I want to start to really work with somebody who's going to help me to uncover this because it's really difficult. You don't see the forest for the trees until you start to learn and educate yourself. So understanding what is my trauma response? What are these attachment styles? What is the behavior that I do? What is it that I keep doing that is leading me to this problem over and over? Right? It takes a lot of work to uncover those things. And to do this by yourself, journaling can ha- be very helpful to sort of process your, your experiences. Even talking to other people, talking to your friends, asking your friends, hey, can you tell me some things that you notice about me that are like my, my little setbacks? 
ask for feedback. Because remember, the avoidant attachment doesn't like to ask for feedback. So that could be something that you start to do. Starting to ask for help because the avoidant attachment doesn't like to ask for help. So if you find that you're there, these are some of the first steps that you start to take. And connecting with other people who are secure. Who in my life that I know has a healthy relationship? Maybe I can spend more time with them. Having role models in your life that can nurture you in that path. Okay, I just have to jump in with a little story here. And it's actually quite hilarious. But one time my husband came to me and he had heard about this from another (laughs) couple. And he said, okay, let's both make a list of the top 10 things that we love so much about each other. I was like, okay, well, that's easy. That was so wonderful to hear his top 10. But then there was also a list of the top 10 things that he that wasn't great with me. And you know how hard it was to hear that. So Freya, when you're saying, you know, ask your friends, what have they noticed? That's, I mean, that's a very vulnerable moment. You have to be really prepared for that. So uh, how do you support someone through that process of asking their friends? Like, what have you noticed? How do you take it in? How, how do you know they're, they're ready to take it in? Oh, well, if you're asking, then you're ready. But to get there, right. you have to do that self-awareness check with yourself, right? Because you're going to have your own blocks. You're going to have your own uh, blocks of thinking that you can't see. So it takes time. It takes that vulnerability. And I love that with, with, if you're actively in a relationship with a partner and you're not feeling secure with them, asking these types of vulnerable questions with your partner can really help to increase that safety and security, right? This vulnerability becomes your strength because in the meantime, you're just trying to be so strong, but it's to your detriment and it's completely unsustainable. You know, a, a lovely exercise that is really of a, of a mindfulness practice that I love to recommend to couples when they're ready is sort of, you know, just putting your hand on your partner's heart area and your partner doing the same thing to you and just breathing together, not having to say anything, just breathing. And this is called co-regulating. You know, you're just tuning into each other and maybe you want to share some, some kind words about how you're feeling about the other partner and just leaving on a positive note, right? Starting with that. It's kind of like this four to one, one ratio. Like I'm going to tell you four awesome things about you. And in the middle, I'm going to say something that maybe it's like not so good, you know, something of of improvement, but then I'm going to, it's like a sandwich, you know, you say two really nice things. You put the thing that's not so good in the middle and you say two things that are really great about them at the end that can help to, to soften things for them for sure. That's a much better list by the sounds of it than the 10 I love and the 10 I don't love. That was, <laughs> that was harsh. Really yeah. harsh. So I like the sandwich idea. Very good. And, and people with avoidant attachment styles, they often hold these negative beliefs about themselves or their relationships, like I don't need anybody or um, the relationships are too risky, I'm too afraid of getting hurt. And these beliefs, they can act as a barrier uh, to vulnerability and openness in relationships. So how can people challenge these negative beliefs so they start thinking a little bit more positively? Yeah. And that is the primary work that I do. I do a lot of inner child work with my clients as well, but mindset work uh, is huge. And I've got a book that's coming out in a few months called Colors of the Mind, where I use this specific mindset tool 
to help people identify what color their thinking is. So the avoidance are going to be very red in their thinking, whereas the blue thinkers are the anxious and the purple thinkers are the disorganized. And the goal is to become more green in our thinking, which is an I count and you count. It's a win-win. We want to get more win-win happening. We want to have people be more accepting and sometimes just come to a neutral state in our thinking. It's not always having to be overly optimistic about things and making things all positive and flowers and roses. Sometimes we just need to come to a middle ground and say, you know what? It is what it is. And both things are, are okay. And I can find the middle path in this instead of the extremes that we tend to go to. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And, uh, you know, we hope that this discussion today on attachment styles have, has provided you with a better understanding of yourself and how your attachment style can impact your relationships. I think it's so important moving forward to recognize your attachment style. And Freya here can help you do that. Where can people get a hold of you, Freya? Aha. They can go to my <laughs> website, freyamortensen.net. They can also email me Freya at free to be you coaching.com. I love it. And Joan, where can people get a hold of you? On Instagram, I'm Joan Kelly Walker official or my website, joankellywalker.com. And you can learn more about me at singleinthecity.ca or official Laura Bellotta on TikTok and Instagram. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we'll uh, see you next week. Ciao for now.